Hi, Chris Valentin here. Welcome to my podcast, where I hope to inspire you to transform the world within you and transform the world around you. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi, welcome to Cultural Catalyst, where we teach you how to live fully live, co-labor with God, and change the world. Well, today I have a really special guest on. I mean, this is a very special guest. Topher Jones, you're an artist, and under your artist name, you're King Topher, and you're a DJ and a music producer with 180 million streams on Spotify. That, that's more than my best sermon. <laughs> and uh, welcome welcome to the Cultural Catalyst Show. Thanks for having me. And you produce music in the rave scene. So tell me about that. Yeah, I, I My audience up. probably don't even know what you do, so you <laughs> yeah, have to explain. If, if you them. don't know what a rave is, yes. it's basically, it started out as these underground illegal dance parties. And then as dance music's gotten bigger and bigger, they've become more mainstream and they're all done legally now. Well, most of them are. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so I grew up sneaking out, going to going to these, you know, are your parents listening? And, uh, yes, they are. They know all this mm. stuff. Um, yeah, you confess so I, later in life. I mean, they, they caught me one of the times. So <laughs> I, yeah, but I used, I grew up going to dance music shows. I just loved the music and the lights and the loud, the loud bass and, and all that stuff. And so, uh, yeah. And then I started DJing when I was 15 and here we are now at 15. And yeah. this is electronic dance music. So, yeah. you know, I think probably everybody knows what it means to go to a dance party, but what yeah. does electronic dance music mean? Is it a particular kind of dance music? I mean, what people refer to as dance music nowadays is all pretty much electronic where you're using synthesizers and computers and samples and stuff like that to make the music as opposed to a live band. Yeah, I mean, we'll use live instruments on certain things. Okay. Um, but, yeah, a lot of it's done digitally on a computer nowadays. Wow. So, yeah. Okay, so we're going to back up a little bit. We're going to get to know you. Yep. So, where are you from? I grew up in Indiana. And did you find Jesus? I did. I <laughs> no. grew up, yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, I, I grew up. I'd say it that way. <laughs> no, I grew up going to church, uh, but it wasn't until my senior year of high school where I just... I just had this conversation with myself, like, I either need to take this seriously and really own it and make it mine, not I go to church because my family does and it's a cultural thing. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, went to college and started taking my faith very seriously, which is usually the other, usually it's the other way around. Yeah, exactly. You go yeah. to college and they talk you out of 100%. your faith. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. You, you've actually been really successful. I was just noticing, like, you're on the same label that Taylor Swift is on, right? Is yeah, that true? I, I was signed there for a minute, and uh, it's an incredible experience for Public Records. That was in 2018. Uh, it was a dream of mine to get signed to a label like that. And so, yeah, wonderful experience. It, it didn't turn out to be super fruitful. Um, they want superstars and I was not at Taylor Swift's level. So that was the end of it. Maybe you should like make friends <laughs> with her, right? I mean, she could, she could definitely, definitely help my career. That's for sure. I was told that you've been investing in the world of EDM in electronic dance music since the nineties, 10 events and shows. What was the draw for you? Like what? Yeah. What? I mean, you know, it's not a, like this is the first DJ I've ever interviewed. So I'm a little starstruck. <laughs> Don't, I'm not that cool. So, trust so, me. So, you know, you said like when you were young, 15, you started going these things. Like, when did you think I could do this for a living? That came in about 2000. Six. I did a, a bootleg remix of this song by Snow Patrol called Chasing Cars, and it exploded in the dance music world. Every DJ was playing it, uh, became friends with all of them, and it opened up tons of doors and opportunities for me, and then started writing original material, 
and these huge people that had these record labels started signing the music and then it turned into the biggest DJ in the world asking me to go do some shows with him and I was like okay maybe maybe there's something here like I you know growing up in Indiana you're, you're not typically thinking I want to become an international DJ yeah exactly uh, I was the only kid in my high school with turntables and everyone used to be like, why do you listen to this weird European techno music? So it, it definitely wasn't like the surrounding of this is a normal thing, but I just loved it. I remember the first time I heard dance music and it was, I, I can vividly remember the moment still where it was like my life changed forever. And it was like, Oh, I think I was made, made for this. Do you like to dance? I do. I mean, I, I like it. Like, Yes, I do like to dance. I'll just leave it at and that. And your yeah. wife? You're married? Yeah, yeah she loves we it. We didn't say this. You're married. You've got a kid. Yeah, I do. Yeah. That's exciting. He, he loves dance music. He does, yeah. He's two, right? He's two. Yep. His gets, oh my gets gosh. it going? Every day. Music, music, music. And then, you know, the funny part is he always asks for other people's music. So all the people that are on my record label, <laughs> there's a guy named Kevin, another guy named Son. Like, Kenan, Son, I want music. And so I have to play their music every day for him. How's that he, feel? How's that oh, make you feel? I love it. Yeah. I, they're, they're the best people. So if he's listening to their music, I'm, I'm totally cool with that. And you were telling me off air a little bit, you guys were living in Holland for a while, right? Yep. It's seven, quite a while, yeah. actually, right? Amsterdam? Yep. Lived in Amsterdam. That's where my son was born. Um, and yeah, we moved to Reading in 2021, but yeah, Amsterdam was awesome. It was a great hub for touring around the world, mostly in Europe and Asia. And then my wife was working for Nike at their European headquarters and we enjoyed it. Loved, loved the culture as far as great food, beautiful architecture. It is. Didn't I, love the weather. Yeah. It rains that, all the time, but, uh, it was, a, it was an amazing few years yeah, there. I mean, they got beautiful flowers and you, you know yes. why after you're, after you're there for a while. Yes. Because right? it rains and all the time. bicycles, man. I've More never seen that many bicycles yeah. in my life. Did you get hit by one? No, How but I mean, we went to, you know, I, I, I've preached there so many times yeah. because we had uh, some folks there that we really, really love. They had a church and a movement there. Mateus, I don't know if you know who Mateus is. I don't. Are they the ones up in, is it Zvola? Yeah, uh, now they moved to Florida, I think. Okay. But they they were there for like 15 years. And, cool. And, um, and so we were there so many times. But, I, I mean, I remember going to a parking lot the size of, like you would see at a huge grocery store. Yeah. And bicycles parked, like, right, eight inches apart, as far as the eye could see. Yep. Like, everyone rides bikes there, right? There are more bikes than people in Amsterdam. It is crazy. Yeah. Where did you meet your wife? Oh man! Uh -oh. We met at a wedding uh -oh. in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Okay, in 2012, we were both in the wedding. She was a bridesmaid. I was a groomsman, and she thought I was very handsome, but I wasn't tall enough. I'm six feet tall, so it's not like I'm short. How tall is she? She's five eleven. Is she from Holland? No, she's from Australia. Oh, she's a tall yeah. woman. Yeah. So her dad was six eight. Her brother's six five. So six six foot is short compared to that. And then we we almost didn't we didn't really keep in touch for about two years. And then it was her birthday two years later. I was like, man, that girl was awesome. I didn't just shoot her a message. Shot her a message. We started texting a bit. Then she said she's going over to Europe that summer to visit the couple that got married. Invited me to come. And I said, I'm only coming if I could take you on a date. She said yes. And that's that's the end of it. And you hooked her. Yeah. Uh, was it really that casual? Uh, I mean. Like when you saw that woman, you weren't like, this is the woman of my dreams. I'm going to freaking marry this woman. Not when we first met. No. Really? I had just signed a record deal, was touring like crazy. She was going to do her master's back in Australia. And it was like, oh, she was great. But, you know, she lives on this side of the world. Like, yeah, that's cool. But best of luck. And maybe we'll bump into each other at some point. And then two years later, it was like, wait a minute. That girl was amazing. And 
And the Lord opened thy <laughs> eyes. <laughs> yeah. The Lord opened yeah. your eyes. Yeah. And then you're like, whoa, this is this this is my woman right here. Yeah, she's amazing. You guys have been married for 11 years, it sounds seven, like. Uh, almost seven years. Seven years. Yeah. Oh, how did I get the math wrong? And what did your wife do for Nike? She was in their finance and controlling department. Got so it. basically her title was chief of staff. Wow. Um, and through massive events all around Europe and kind of kept everyone in line. And, yeah, and now she works for The Chosen. Yeah, she works for the chosen. Yeah, and at home is she still chief of staff? Always. <laughs> she she runs the household. That's for sure. Gosh. I just stand there and look pretty. Yeah, I don't know if I look pretty, but I stand there at least. Okay, bro, I got some. <laughs> we'll talk off camera on yeah. that part. Hey, you're doing uh, the latest project. You have is a rave Jesus. Okay, now we're gonna have a deep conversation. Okay, what is a rave Jesus? Well, this whole thing started. Um, back in 2018, where I felt like I was supposed to start a call for anyone in the dance music industry that loves Jesus or wants to get to know him or has any curiosity. And so we had this call every week where we'd get on and we'd pray for the industry and pray for each other and just ask the Lord what his heart was for dance music around the globe. And so for five years, just did that every week. And during COVID, we opened it up to everybody, like a, like a mass amount of people. And it became this huge thing. And People from all over the world. The are, call, you mean? Yeah, the call. Mm -hmm. People from all over the world are hopping on, and it became kind of the, a lot of people's community or church time. We'd have guest speakers come in and preach and, and all sorts of things. People getting healed on the call, like people meeting Jesus for the first time. Really? People getting prophesied over for the first time. So it was really special. And then earlier this year, the Lord told me, you're going to start doing shows that are parallel to the industry, and it's going to become a movement, and then it's going to go back in the industry. And I'm just sitting there going, all right, like whatever that means, I don't know. And so then in May, uh, I was invited to play a show up in Seattle, and I felt like we should do the normal show, and then the next night we should throw a worship rave. And so we did, and the worship rave was so much more fun than the normal show. Oh. So I left on the flight home to be like, why, why was this the case? Because I, um, I don't necessarily love like Christian music and Christian music culture. Uh, just, yeah, bro, don't say <laughs> yeah, no, I just, it's just not something that makes me necessarily come alive. Yeah. Like I don't like the, necessarily love the sounds of it and, uh, and everything. And so when the Lord's like, we need to do more of this, I'm like, I don't know. I, I, so I, when you did your rave, yeah, I mean, it's a stupid question, but I'm going to, I got to ask Yeah, like you were using Christian music. Uh, yes. I mean, so I write my songs from a place with all of them are in, I asked the Holy Spirit, like, hey, what are we going to make today? Yes. And we make the songs, and it's what I would call like worshipful kingdom house music. And so, and that's what you were using for your rave Jesus. Yeah, and I use those on my, my normal shows as well. Uh, but when everyone shows up with faith in the room of like, oh, we're actually going to encounter God tonight, it's a little bit different. So then after the one in Seattle, I uh, called my friend who's a pastor at a church down in L.A. and said, I feel like we need to do this in L.A. And he said, I'm in. Let me know what you want to do, and we'll do it. And so... The Lord goes, you need to make this a Rave Jesus branded event. This is basically the, you know, the event version of the call. It's the same heart, the same posture. Wow. Now you need to do this as an event. And so we branded it as a Rave Jesus party and announced it. It sells out in eight hours. And I'm sitting there going, okay, this is wild. I've never had a show sell out this quickly. Like what's going on? How many people? It was 150 tickets. 150 so, tickets. Yeah, wow. In eight hours. Um, yep. didn't want to go too big on the first one because we were like, I don't know if this is going to work. Maybe yeah. this isn't a thing. And so just, it was more like research and development in a yeah. lot of ways. Yeah, R&D. And then it sells out and the Lord goes, this is the event that's parallel to the music industry. 
And so the whole tour this fall needs to be shows like this. So we do the show in LA. It's awesome. Capture footage, post it online. And then all of a sudden, different people in different cities are reaching out. Can you do this here? We want to do this at our church. Can you come to this city? And now it's turned into a whole tour. And every week, people are reaching out, wanting to get involved. How? Okay, how many of those are you doing a year, let's say? Uh, the I Ray mean, of Jesus part. I mean, the, the first one was two months ago. So this oh, is this, so this is, just this started. Is, this is brand new. Like, it's, yeah. And I was just in Europe. I did one in London, one in Amsterdam. The Ray of Jesus. Yeah, you know, Ray of Jesus shows. And are, they, are they bigger? Uh, those, uh, one in London was like 80 person venue. The okay. one in Amsterdam, um, it, it was, I mean, we did it in the, the basement of an old Salvation oh. Army building. Oh gosh. In the vault where they used to keep their gold. So that oh. was pretty cool. Uh, and we did a normal club show in Amsterdam, which was 175 people. Wow. And then we're doing one in Reading next Friday. You uh, are? Yeah. Where? At the Stirring. You're doing at the Stirring yeah. with Nate. With Nate. Man, yeah. you're, you're not loyal to Bethel. Uh, Look, I love everyone here. Yeah. I go to Bethel. Yeah. It's been hard to get people behind things. I'll drink to that. <laughs> so, what's uh, the largest rave you've ever done? Not not Jesus one, just in general. Uh, as far as people physically in front mm-hmm. of me, probably fifteen thousand. There was a show I played in China where there were ten thousand people at the show. China, and there were a million people watching on the live stream. Oh my yeah. gosh! And what's the average like show that is not a Jesus one? Like, what, it, are they just? All over the place? Oh, yeah. I mean, dance music is, it's probably the most global genre of music that exists right now. Oh I mean, everywhere goodness. around the world, it's, it is gigantic. Wow. Yeah. When, you, so you would consider this your ministry, I can tell yep. from the way you're talking. And what makes this a ministry? Like, what creates it as a ministry? I mean, the heart posture behind it and the whole intent of what we're doing is this isn't just to entertain people. That's the last thing I want to do is just fill people's time for an hour or two. It's, it has to be some way, shape, or form. When people come and hear the music and come to a show, they have some sort of encounter with the Lord. Whether it's like they get healed, which is, ha- is happening at shows. They meet Jesus. They leave. We know they used to have suicidal thoughts, and those leave them. Or they're just filled with so much hope and joy that, you know, they're, they're like, wow, this is just different. And, and so my hope for all of these shows or when they just listen to the music is like they're they're they have some sort of glimpse of, Oh, this is who God is. And, and it, it's amazing. Do you guys like, do you take any time during, during the show to actually go after healing? Have you done, I know you just started doing yeah. these like two months ago, right? So we'll do them. We'll do this at normal shows though, where I'll, I'll bring a team of people with me and say, Hey, I'm going to go on stage. I'm going to DJ for the next two hours. I'm going to lead the room, lead the atmosphere. You walk around, whatever you feel like the Holy spirit is telling you to do go and do that and love these people well. And so we had a show in Austin, Texas last year, just a normal club show. And <laughs> there's, you know, these girls, you know, having a really scandalous photo shoot. There's a guy next to him snorting lines of cocaine. And then next to that, people are getting healed. 12 people got healed at the show. Two people gave their life to Jesus. Wow. And it's like, the Lord doesn't care. He's not offended by what's going on in the room. He just is so desperate for his kids to know him that he'll show up on those places if we're willing to actually partner with him. And so we're seeing stuff like that happen. And out of all of the shows, the theme every single time when people have some sort of encounter is they, they, they just ask us, they go, why hasn't anyone told me God was like this? And, you know, and it's kind of, it's amazing and it's heartbreaking to hear a 35 year old ask the question of like, yeah. why didn't anyone tell me God, this is who God is. Like I always thought it was so different than this. And so my heart and mm-hmm. desire is, to have as many people as possible have that experience that will probably never show up to church. So the rave Jesus stuff is a little bit different because you get a lot more Christians coming, which is great. 
Uh, and I think part of it is helping Christians break out of the box of this is what worship looks like. This is what worship mm-hmm. sounds like and saying, hey, like God is so much bigger than what we put him in this box. We put him in like we want to express that to the world, like how good and amazing and creative he is. What would you say to people that would say, well, how could you, you know, go to a club mm-hmm. and do secular music? I, I heard what you said. Yeah. But it's still a secular venue. Mm-hmm. The, m- most of the people in those venues aren't coming t- to meet Jesus, right? So what would you say to people that would say, like, well, what kind of ministry is that? Like, you're, you're, you're going to a club, <laughs> you're perpetuating, you know, maybe people's seductive dance yeah. or whatever, whatever else might be going on there. You just talked about drugs yeah. and alcohol. What would you say to people that say, well, how, how do you call that a ministry? I mean, I think anywhere there are people, we need to be. Uh, and the Lord is not offended by something so badly that he's like, hey, I don't want you to touch that part of culture. Uh, and so I, I, I get really frustrated because I'll get this question a lot. People are like, mm. how, how do you do it? How do you go into these dark places course, where there's so yeah. much sin and there's so much evil? I'm like, if that's your mindset going in, you've already lost. Mm-hmm. Like if your goal to go, go into an environment is to not sin, mm. like you've missed out on the whole point of like mm-hmm. why we have a relationship with Jesus. So there was a conversation. Some guys like, yeah, like, you know, I go into those places and I just don't want to mess up and don't want to make any bad choices. And I'm like, I go in, I go, wow, what an opportunity. There's a hundred people, 200 people in this space. Like these people are about to meet Jesus. And when that's the mindset, mm-hmm. the whole making healthy choices mm-hmm. is secondary as far as it's, it comes out of that mindset. And, and I feel like our relationship with the Lord is so much bigger than not sinning. It's actually leading people into encounter with Jesus. And so, so you know, I love, I love it. I actually, I love going to these environments. I feel like I come alive there. I actually feel the Lord way more strongly there than in church a lot of times. He wants every person mm-hmm. on the earth to mm-hmm. meet him and know who he is. And so he's just looking for people who are willing to say yes to like, hey, I'm going to go love that group mm-hmm. of people over there. And he opens doors and creates opportunities for that to happen. I remember this is probably a seven or eight year old story, but um, so it's been a while. But I had this encounter with the Lord where he told me, I'm changing the mascot for Bethel. Mm. And I'm like, first of all, I didn't know we had a mascot, so let me be clear. <laughs> and secondly, you know, sometimes the way the Lord talks to you, you're like, ah, the Lord is hip, you know. Yeah. He understands mascots. Yeah. And I said, what do, you, what do you mean by that? And he said, I'm changing the mascot for Bethel. I said, mm. okay, well, what, from what to what? He said, from eagles to owls. That's so interesting This uh, that you bring up an owl because my wife sent me a text last night at like 1130 and she was like, Hey, there's an owl that is keeping mm-hmm. me awake outside. I've never experienced this before. It's interesting that you're meeting with Chris tomorrow because the owls represent the prophetic in a lot of ways. And so I just, it was an interesting, like, okay, there's something on this. Well, listen to this. So I got that that night. The next, next day I was teaching at the worship school, Bethel okay. school of worship. Yep. You know, we do uh, a couple days, a couple weeks a year. And uh, so I got up front and I was, um, I was, I was talking about the owl and the Lord told me that the reason why it's the mascot is an owl is because the owls can see through the darkness. Mm. The owls eat snakes. The owls know who's who. And so I got up and I was sharing this thing I just got the night before. And when I got done sharing it, Jen Johnson comes running to the stage and she's like, I got to tell you a story. I got to tell you a story. And she brings up this guy and was one of the team. And 
he tells the story that I believe was the morning before. It might have been that morning, but the morning before, he's driving to work. He kind of lives a little bit back on this gravel road. And this owl, this baby owl, stands right in the middle of the of the road, and he can't go around. And so he beeps at it and tries to make a bunch of noise to get it to move, and it doesn't move. So he finally gets out, picks it up, and takes it home. That happened that the morning before. And he's like, I don't know what this means, but I, I brought a, a baby owl with me. And I'm like, oh, baby owl, like, you know, we're giving birth to it. Like, yeah. it's a mascot. Like, it's yeah. not fully grown, right? And and so, you know, I, I see you like that. I was mm. thinking as you were sharing, I'm like, oh, this is part of the fulfillment of the word the Lord yeah. gave us, whatever that was, seven, eight years ago, that the Lord is sending us into the darkest places of the planet, mm. right? But he, he sent us in fully equipped. We're yep. like owls. We can see through the dark. Like, we have night vision. Yep. And uh, and we we eat snakes. We we help people get free and yep. delivered in the places no one else will go. And then we also know who's who, you know. Yeah. And uh, the Lord's given us the who's who anointing, mm. right? This is part of our, our house, right? Yeah. The house you're part of is like we discover gold in dark places, yep. and this is a part of it's a part of our DNA. I love it. This is pretty amazing. I love it. Huh? I love it. See, I came here to interview you, <laughs> no, but then you got a prophetic no. word. So <laughs> I'll take it. Like, you just need to wear an owl thing from <laughs> now on. It's called the, the, your owl ministry, yeah. the DJ Owl Man. Hey, where's music going? Oh, man. Man, that's a big question. I think I think we're seeing a glimpse of it in TV and movies with how in which way? there's a big shift happening and we're seeing the quality of the art coming from the mainstream there's a massive fall off compared to what it used to be because it's way more by that. Uh, it's way more agenda driven than excellence driven. And so, okay. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. So tell so me about like, that. I mean, if you look at Disney and their stock and the quality of the content and how it's being consumed, people are getting really frustrated because they used to just make good movies. Yeah. Now everything has an agenda behind oh, it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. And so, you know, most, most of Hollywood movies are in that place right now. Activists. So they, they care more about an agenda than they do excellent art yeah and so you're seeing tv shows like the chosen and other shows that are actually just excellently like just so well done yeah shooting through the all the nonsense and becoming championed and kind of leading the industry amazing too and right? so i mean i love that show Me too. Um, and i think music is we're about to see the same thing happen where there's going to be you know uh, there's some pop music that's really fun and catchy but there's a lot that i just am, yeah. i'm like man this is just not great music and great art where the Lord is looking for people who are willing to make excellent, great art that carries his heart mm-hmm. and it's going to shoot through and it's going to start leading the industry. I, I truly believe that. Yeah. You know, uh, and it doesn't always have to be worship music. His heart can still be in really catchy, fun, joyful songs. And yeah, um, I think we're going to see pop artists that actually do it in a healthy manner. Um, rap artists, country artists, mm-hmm. all the different genres. Uh, and I think it's going to be really cool and beautiful to watch. Yeah, I heard the word parables to music, you know. Mm. I, I believe the Lord's raising up like prophets that are disguised as musicians and are putting music, putting parables. You know, you, you know the kind of parables in like Proverbs 1 is the kind of parables that are in riddles. Mm-hmm. And you almost need discernment to know yep. what the riddle's about. And I feel like that's you too. Mm. I'm going to take that. I Thank feel you. like the Lord's giving you like Thank this you. new kind of... I had it down here asking what the music industry was, but as I was asking you, I was like, I just feel like you're going to be a leader in this industry of like writing parables that actually that that actually have a riddle 
Yeah, that will be seen as to some as oh, that's that's a great song. Don't know what it means, and by others there'll be a discerning of spirits, and yep. they go, "Oh man, I know what this riddle is." Right. So this is I a, love that a lot of fun. Uh, you just played in London. Yep. What's the next events coming up? Yeah, we have Reading. On, yeah, yeah. On November third, go Reading. Yeah, you should come Except to the show. Except you're at the stirring. I mean, they gave me an amazing I deal know. on the on the room. My so. daughter goes to the stirring. And I, you, I, have to you, I know, I know you confess. and Nate are good friends, so oh, it's all man. good. I'm like a dad to Nate. But Ask you, uh, I think you should come to a rave, Chris. You should. I think you should. I have to get on my my groove. Come on, you should come out to the show. But yeah, we have Reading November third, Oakland November fourth, uh, Indianapolis, L.A., San Fran, Austin, Texas. More shows in the works, so all that's all that's coming, which is really exciting. Yeah, I got a, a big education today. <laughs> I love that. Uh, can I say I'm kind of hip? Yeah, I mean, you're, yes, you're you're definitely very I'm cool. groovy. I'm digging it. <laughs> <laughs> Those are old words. I love it. I love it. Hey, this has really been a great interview. Is there anything else you want to say before we? Uh, just something we didn't cover. You might. I mean, something say. that I. I it, yeah, I guess something that I just am super passionate about is uh, I had a post go bonkers viral a couple months ago where Rick Rubin is a really famous music producer. I don't think he's a Christian, but he basically shared on this podcast how uh, the ultimate form of wor- uh, of creativity is is, a, is worship unto God. And the way he talked about it, I was like, every Christian needs to hear this. So I did a little reaction video, posted it. It goes bonkers viral. And I was like, wow, this is wild. Like, this is great that everyone's seeing this. And then the comments start coming in from Christians and everyone's like, oh, the music industry is so demonic. It's so evil. And, and it just breaks my heart when I hear and see Christians just trashing an industry that they really have nothing to do with and they don't know anybody in it. And I understand the frustration with some of the art that comes out of it. I totally get it because not all of it's, I mean, anyway, but I'm like, man, uh, what if we just blessed the industry and we mm-hmm. we spoke life over it? And instead of being trying to tear it down with, oh, we don't like what it looks like and what's coming out of it. It's like, what if we championed and supported artists, you know, that they get celebrated and, and, and move through the ranks in the industry. And those are the people that are being, you know, put on award shows and things like that. Like we have... We have the ability as Christians to shape culture way more than I think people realize, and we actually need to take ownership in it. And so my hope and prayer is that whenever you hear a song on the radio that frustrates you or a music video that you're like, oh, this is really bad, instead of turning to, oh, there's no hope for the music industry, be like, all right, Lord, like, what is your heart for this space? Because I know the music industry matters to yeah. you, and, and I, I want people to partner with the Lord's heart for, for my industry and the people that are in it, that there's a lot of amazing people. They don't know Jesus yet, but like, they're great people that I love, and um, I'm just passionate about how we can, as Christians, really love and serve an industry that needs needs healthy people in it. Um, yeah. yeah. And we, we tend to be some of the latest adopters, and sometimes for good reasons, right? As yeah, you just, understandable. As you just said, of yeah. course, you know, we don't want to throw our kids into the cesspool and totally. and act like— uh, and, and, and act like, you know, um, being virtuous is somehow cool. Yep. But we tend to be latest adopters, you know. When I when I was young, a uh, young man and came to Christ, like guitars and drums were not used in church. Yeah. I hear stories about this. Yeah, and so you know, it's it's a little bit the same in that people demonized the actual music, like no matter what yeah. the words were, yeah. like like these drums were, like, yeah. they were they were evil, right? Guitars were evil, and so we you know we came late to the party, and and wouldn't it be awesome if we could be 
if we could actually be early adopters and if we could actually be the leaders of movements yep. as yep. opposed to the followers of movements yep. and if we could respond instead of react yeah. and if we could actually be you know rise and shine we could actually be reflecting instead of i mean we could actually be shining instead of reflecting yep. and I, I think these are all just kind of ways that we say you know how do we become leaders in the industry as opposed and and actually direct the core values yeah. of the industry right so that the main core values of the industry are actually are actually rooted in the kingdom yep um as opposed to rooted in the wrong kingdom and um and i think it's people like you that have the courage to you know get in there and really do that and i want to say a second thing too and i know this is your interview and i don't want to take your thunder no. but i think that because of the daniel kind of spirit that's on you mm. the lord can entrust you with the nebuchadnezzar's of the day right and part of the challenge that i see and i'm sure you see it too but i see it a lot as a pastor is that we do lose our kids to to these you know to the industries we lose mm. our kids to the universities instead of them influencing the university the yeah. university influences them and we need to we need to battle harden our kids in a way that mm. they're effective yeah and and they they i don't mean that they just share jesus but that the purity of their becomes powerful for yeah them, right and and we actually rescue the uh, yeah. so many souls i mean i think going on going right off that i think something I was thinking about this morning for some reason was I just kept having this thought of, I want parents and grandparents to understand the ability that they have to affect the music industry, yeah. which sounds really backwards. Cause like, Oh, music's for the young. Like, no, no, no. You, you as, as grandparents and parents have finances and that can dictate what does and doesn't work in an industry. Yeah. And if, if those people sew into an industry and artists that they were like, Oh, I want my kid to actually listen mm -hmm. to this music, like support those artists support. And I'm not saying this is like, you don't, I don't care if you like me or my music, whatever, but there's yeah. artists out there that yeah. like, those are the people that you guys should be championing and pouring into buying their merchandise, listening to their music and, and having let them have a career. So your kids can grow up listening to healthy, amazing artists. Yeah. Um, and, and, but it just goes back to that ownership thing of, I think, you know, sometimes parents like, oh, it's just, that's the young kids music. I'm so outdated. Yeah. I'm old. Whatever. Like, no, no, no. You actually, even if you're 55, have the ability to impact the content that your kids consume by the way that you, what you support and what you champion. Uh, so it matters. Like we need everyone, you know, playing their part and praying for and investing into these areas of culture. You know, I was thinking about this. Um, well, I've thought about it several times, but I was thinking about it a, a few days ago that the music you grow up with is the music you love and it shapes you now you know i grew up in the in the 60s so obviously my parents were listening to 50s right and early 60s yeah and i was listening to 60s and 70s so my kids grew up you know with their parents lived in the 60s and 70s and it's interesting like that's the music i gravitate towards yeah like i'm saying it it's like it actually shaped me now it doesn't like now now i you know i listened to tater swift the other day and <laughs> You know some of these guys, and and I and I like that music. Yeah, it, but it's it's almost like that's entertainment. Mm. Where the 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 fifteen years or so of when I was young, that was like uh, an education. Yeah, like I was actually I was actually being shaped by that. It wasn't just entertained. Yeah, I was being shaped by that. It was shaping the way I thought. The Beatles, the Rolling Stones, all these guys, right? The Who, these guys are all. They were shaping the way I thought. Mm. So I, I I think it was I think it's interesting now because as an old man 
I listen to music and I'm going, oh, that's really cool. I understand why people like that. That's really yeah. cool. Or some, some of it, you know, some of the music I don't like, like it's not my style at all. But then I think that's entertaining me, but this actually shaped me. Mm. And so it is really important, like what you just said, what we, like that, that music is shaping your kids. Yeah. So it's important what they listen to. It's important what you support. Yeah. It's important that you don't run away from it. Yeah. Or like break all those records. You mm -hmm. don't even break records anymore, yeah. right? Get off of that. But uh, so you know, I think that you're shaping a generation. It's yeah. really important. Yeah, this really this powerful. genre, this type of music is the sound of this generation. It is the sound of this yeah. generation, and you have and you're in there as a prophet to this generation, mm -hmm. like actually shaping the generation and also determining what people listen to. Topher, thank you so much for being on here. It's an honor. I, I have to say, I told you on opening, I was a little anxious about. This interview because I know you know I'm interviewing someone I know nothing yeah. about I know nothing about this genre, yeah. but it's just been educational and a really inspiring. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, and I just want to just honor you and um, just who you are and, and your yes to the Lord has impacted me, which then goes and impacts this industry. So you may not know a lot about it, but you've you've had an impact on it for sure. Thank you. Well, God bless you. I hope you love this interview. Uh, check out Topher's. Uh, you have a you have a, a social page, right? Yeah, uh, Royal King Topher on Instagram. Royal King Topher on Instagram. Yep. Check it out. God bless you guys. for listening to my podcast to stay connected you can sign up for my weekly newsletter at chrisvalentin.com forward slash subscribe god bless you